I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd alert! Are you troubled by strange voices in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or a member of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, and don't wait another micket, micket, don't wait another micket. Yep, mm-hmm. nailed it. Ah, uh. <laughs> no, don't worry, you aren't on the wrong channel. This is just me messing up our intro. Hello there. It's Obi John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcast, and welcome to your weekly nerd alert. Today is something we've been waiting for for a long time. Um, something we have avoided talking about on the show for a while because we didn't want to make the same mistakes with the last time we got a Ghostbusters movie, where every time something new dropped, we talked about it on the show, and we by the time the movie came out, we were tired of talking about the movie already. So. In case the thumbnail didn't clue you in, today we're going to be talking about the cinematic event of 2021, Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's in theaters for the world. Um, it's in theaters for the United States. That's all that really matters because America. So we're going to break everything down about this movie. Uh, and by we, I of course mean myself and my stalwart right-hand man, the I was gonna call you the raid in my Peter, but I'm wait, I'm not cool enough to be Peter. Um he's the Kylie to my Eduardo. There you go. There's a deep cut for you kids. <laughs> the man who keeps the nerd in the top nerdy to me network, Commander Scott. So in keeping with the Ghostbusters theme, since we're talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, with my nerd fact for this week, because I, I, lots of nerd things come into my wheelhouse. I'm going to talk about something that has nothing to do with ghosts or the supernatural at all, because that's how I roll. Um, I recently learned about a thing called fulgurite. Have you ever heard of fulgurite? Yeah, the coffee? No, no, not, not Folgers. Oh, oh. Fulgurite. Is fulgurite in your cup? No, not it's not. No, no, not fulgurite. That's part of waking up. No, not the best part of waking up. No. Okay. Um. So I learned about this while watching, doing a rewatch, I should say, uh, of Supernatural. Specifically, I think it's in season six. They 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 talk about these, and I'm like, really? What the fuck? So, it's basically fossilized lightning. Huh. 
So fulgur comes from the Latin uh, word for lightning. Um, and it's basically when a lightning discharge strikes the ground. Now, lightning can either actually strike from the ground up or, or from the cloud down. It just depends on the conditions at the time. So when an ordinary, ordinary negative polarity cloud to ground lightning discharges into a grounding substrate, basically like a sand or a mixed soil or clay or some other sediment, uh, discharges with about 100 million volts. Uh, it, uh, it rapidly vaporizes and melts the resistant materials uh, uh, and, and, and basically causes it to form an amorphous solid uh, or an amorphous silica glass, more specifically. So, you know, sand, if you take sand, which is mostly silica, and you rapidly heat it, you can get glass and, and modern glass. Uh, production is a little more sophisticated than that. But if, if lightning strikes, you know, sand, straight sand and silica, it forms a rudimentary glass. Um, but, but that strike and that, that shape that it produces, which is literally just a, a fossilization of the dynamics of that strike, um, that's what becomes known as a fulgurite. And I did not know these things existed un until I uh, 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 saw that uh, uh, it was referenced in Supernatural Season 6. And, and I went down this rabbit hole. And it's actually really cool. Um, I don't know how else to explain it. It's, uh, it, it's yeah, you need to check them out because they're, they're really cool. And they're actually really expensive because they happen rarely. Because having lightning striking the correct type of aggregate to form a fulgurite and then someone finding it and keeping it and preserving it and then ultimately selling it and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, they're, they're not cheap. So yeah. Well, there you go. Impress your friends at parties. You know what fossilized lightning is called. Yep. Fulgurites. Also where coffee gets its name. I don't think so, but prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. With, you know, you know, I'm fine with it. If you want to, if you want to put that in your your own personal lexicon, I'm fine. I'm going to. It's already in there. All right. <laughs> Sorry. There's there's your nerdy fact for the day. Like I said, go and press all your friends. But that's not what we're really here to do. We're really here to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, and again, this is something that. Everyone on the show are huge nerds of Ghostbusters. Well, we're all, for the most part, members of the West Kentucky Ghostbusters. We've all got a proton pack and a uniform in the closet. We're big Ghostbusters nerds. So you knew this episode was coming. Um, I, I'm proud of us for holding off on, you know, every time a trailer came out or a poster came out or when the movie got delayed for a year. Like, we, we could have milked multiple episodes out of this, and we didn't. We didn't. We did not have. Well, we did, we did have one episode where we kind of. It wasn't intended to be an episode. <laughs> it was a quick question before an episode, and then that became the episode where it was like, "Hey, what do you think is going on in this trailer?" Um, with the exception of that, uh, but I point that out because we're going to check in on our predictions, um, specifically one prediction Commander Scott made. Uh, but we we for the most part have kind of let this be. Uh, but now we're gonna we're gonna go for it. We're gonna shoot our wad and we're gonna blow the whole thing right here, the whole taco stand. 
We're going to do this traditional um, Tot Nerdy to Me Network review style. Uh, as soon as I pull up my stopwatch, we are going to do the first 10 minutes spoiler free. Um, and normally I say if it's in a trailer, it's not a spoiler. But I have watched some of the trailers for this movie. And yeah, there's some stuff in the trailers that are definitely spoilers. So we're going to stick to things that we would not consider to be a spoiler for the movie. We're just going to give you our general thoughts and opinions about it. And then after the end of that 10 minutes, we will give you all the warnings. And then we are going to dive into all the spoilers. All the spoilers. All the snip kills Dumbledore's. That's what we're going to hit. So starting now, Scott. What were your general thoughts, feelings, and opinions on Ghostbusters Afterlife? So after seeing the movie and such, and 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 with with without trying to do any spoilers, because I don't want to do spoilers for people who are just now tuning in. Um, and I'm also firmly of the mindset that you should not be have to talk about spoilers in order to review a movie. Uh, I've watched a lot. Sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I've watched a lot of online reviews and read a lot of reviews of this movie. And people don't know how to do reviews anymore. People think summarizing the plot of a movie is a review. That's not a review. That's a summary. If you're (laughs) writing a review of a movie and you spend more than three sentences describing the plot of the movie, you have failed. You're not doing a review. You're doing a (laughs) plot summary. Sorry. Tangent over. No, no, that's okay. It, it's it's same as akin to my whole uh, the difference between a retcon versus a reveal, specifically, you know, the doc and uh, uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, so as a review of this movie, uh, I watched this movie and uh, I I kind of have a bit of a love-hate relationship with this movie. Okay right now so first of all this movie is phenomenal this movie is wonderful it gives us exactly well actually i take that back it gives us a taste of what we want while at the same time delivering a very good story it tells a great story and it's like oh that's awesome what about the rest of it Shit, I yeah. want more. Give me more. <laughs> Literally, this, this 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 is like the equivalent of the meth dealer going, hey, you want a taste? <laughs> <laughs> want, you want a little bit? You want a little something-something? You know, I'll uh, give you something-something. Fuck, I need more. <laughs> somebody responded on my, my one-sentence spoiler-free review on Facebook, and they said, the biggest problem with this movie is it doesn't immediately restart <laughs> so you can watch it over again. And I kind <laughs> of agree with that, but I, I kind of also more agree with what you said, which is... When this movie ends, my biggest frustration is like, no, what are you doing? Keep going. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and if, if the worst thing I can say about a movie, and ultimately I think this is the worst thing I can say about it is I want more right now. That's a pretty good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. So like with, with 2016's answer the call, um, while I don't dislike it, I actually enjoy that movie. Um, but if I don't get more of, of, of those characters and that story, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with what we got. Okay, cool. But with this, I'm like, Jason, Jason Reitman, I'm talking to you <laughs> directly. I know you listen to this show. You're a fan. Um, you've given us this. I want more. Give me more. You know, I, I know you've got more in there. Um, 
you need to give me more. And and I think that's the that's the best review I could possibly give for this movie is that it that it gives us, you know, a, a little bit of our questions of what happened between now and then. But damn it, now he's created a new story, and I want to know where it goes. Um. Yeah. No, I agree. The 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 movie is. Um. I was asked uh, the other day. You know, is, oh, is is it better than the last ones? I'm like, well. I can't answer that question. Like, I don't think it's fair to compare this to other Ghostbusters movies. And, and here's why, without spoiling anything. Is this the Ghostbusters 3 we always wanted? No, because that movie's never going to exist. The closest we'll ever get to that is a video game. Because Ghostbusters 3 would have been the whole cast and Ivan coming back in like the mid to late 90s and doing another Ghostbusters romp. That's never going to happen. We're, we're never going to get that. So given we're 30 plus years from the last story in this continuity. And I'm going to go on a little bit of a tirade about people bitching about the 2016 one still. Um, this has nothing to do with the 2016 movie and the whole line about hasn't been a ghost sighting in 30 years and people are like, Oh, you're just going to ignore her, uh, answer the call. Yes. Yes, we are because <laughs> answer the call on its own volition has nothing to do with Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2. It is its own movie. It stands on its own. It has no connectivity with Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2. So this movie, which is a direct follow-up to Ghostbusters and a little bit Ghostbusters 2, has nothing to do with that because Answer the Call chose to have nothing to do with that. So sick of that. Sorry. My point being, it's 30-some-odd years since the last movie in this continuity. It was never going to be the same as just a Ghostbusters 3 because there's so much baggage that's come with this franchise. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, but the the, the franchise is not in the same spot. Uh, we have the passing of Harold that has to be addressed uh, because he's going to be a big... You know, his presence is going to be missing. He didn't help write this because he isn't here to help write it. He isn't in it because he's not around to be in it. Uh, we're going to miss Harold. We have to address that. Uh, we're not going to have the guys running around New York because they're all pushing 70-something, 80-something. Um, except for Ernie Hudson because he still looks fantastic. <laughs> he is the sex appeal. Still is. Um, it's not going to be that same kind of movie. That being said, for and this is the genius of the movie is it's not trying to be that it is telling a completely new style of story that we've seen in a ghostbuster movie this isn't an 80s comedy or a late 80s sequel to an 80s comedy this is very much a 2000 uh coming of age indie sort of comedy uh with the Ghostbusters trappings. And I mean that in the best way possible. If you're a fan of Jason Reitman, you know stuff like Juno or Up in the Air. This is very much a Jason Reitman film. Uh, it's a different style of story than we've we've seen in the Ghostbusters universe so far. And he nailed it. Um, I didn't say this. I think Kevin Smith was the one who I, I first heard say this. Jason Reitman understood the assignment. He, he got what people wanted. He got what this movie could be. He 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 went over and above. Uh, he understood the assignment. Uh, he, he nailed it. Uh, it's a different kind of movie than we've gotten, so I don't think it's fair to compare to. Is it better than Ghostbusters 2? Is it as good as the original? Like, Well, it's not trying to be those movies. It's yeah. trying to be its own movie. Uh, and I like that. I love that. 
Um, well, you know, good. So, uh, one thing that I hate about Ghostbusters 2, uh, and I love Ghostbusters 2, but the, 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 the point that I hate in it is the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and I say that because when you watch Ghostbusters 2, they're like, oh, well, we have to have the big thing. We had Stay Puft in the first one. We have to have the big thing. We have to hit all the same points that the first one hit. And, and you don't have to. And this movie proves that you don't have to do stylized the same things as the first movie. You, you can you can do a different story with different elements and still hit the same vibes that the first movie gave us. Um, uh, uh, on that point, though, I will say that this movie does does kind of kind of go uh, to the same school of thought for a reboot, uh, not a reboot, but a continuation. Um, as um uh shit i forget uh star wars the number seven um force awakens yeah the force awakens does where the force awakens kind of gives you a beat by beat kind of uh familiarity with star wars 1977 this movie gives you kind of a beat by beat familiarity with ghostbusters 84 uh and we we hearken back to that but at the same time it's its own thing yeah, and it's it's not uh, that's a fair comparison, but at the same time, I also kind of have issues with it. I've heard that comparison made uh, uh, elsewhere too, and it's it's not totally unwarranted. Um, but at the same time, Force Awakens and A New Hope literally follow the same structure beat by beat, and a lot of story elements get recycled or reused from the original Ghostbusters. But I don't feel like it's beat for beat the same movie um this is very much a a, i don't want to say coming of age because it's so trite but it's very much a mystery Mm -hmm. it's uh phoebe the main character and we'll get to the the uh, the characters and the actors um it's her discovering her roots discovering her past and we're specifically discovering what happened recently what's going on in this town uh, it, it's you know because the audience to a certain point is kind of ahead of the character and that you know we know what a proton pack is we know what a pke meter is we know who egon is we we know she's just the granddaughter of spengler because the the trailer told us that it, we're kind of ahead of her on some things but the things that were with her on like what's going on here uh what happened in the prologue what's what 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 exactly is going down in this town we're discovering that along with that character. And that is a really fun way to come about this story. Um, I love Ghostbusters, but it's one of those movies where the big plot, the the big third act just kind of happens. Um, Like some things are sprinkled, you know, like, you know, the whole uh, goes are inside the fridge, but really it's not until that prison scene uh, where we finally stop the movie to have a big exposition dump to understand what's been going on and we carry on from there. Uh, that's one critique I would have of Ghostbusters is up to that point, it's all just kind of like vignettes and it's a going into business story. And then all of a sudden we stop so we can introduce the, the notion of what's going to happen in the third act and then go forward. This movie does a much better job of of by the time you hit act three, it is full throttle. We're done with exposition. We're done introducing characters. Uh, you know what's going on. You know what's at stake. You know what more or less needs to be done. And 
We don't know exactly what our hero's plan is, but we're we're with him on the ride. Here we go. Um, and and again, I love Ghostbusters, but that is one thing I will knock about Ghostbusters is we get that big going into the third act exposition dump that kind of gives you all the the lore and and the um, exposition about Gozer and in, in the the temple and all that kind of stuff. Whereas this movie does a much better job of of piecemealing that out throughout the rest of the movie so that when we get to act three, we don't have to stop and introduce anything. It's we're just going to hit the ground running. Um, but we're past our 10 minute mark. So we are so, going to go ahead and give you the big old spoiler warning from this point yeah. on. We're going to spoil this movie. If you have not seen the movie, please stop listening. This movie is beautiful. It is a beautiful freaking movie. You deserve, if you haven't already had it spoiled for you, you deserve to go see it in the theater and let this thing just open up before you because it is an amazing journey, uh, and I don't want to ruin that for somebody else. So please, if you haven't seen the movie, stop listening to us, go see it, and then come back. That being said, man, that part at the end when when Cap flew out of the portal, how was, oh, man, that got me. Um, oh, wait. Wrong movie. Sorry, sorry. The part when all this, uh, when Lando showed up and all the starships came out of, but yeah, that's, that's the it, wrong it, one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so real quick. Um, yes. Uh, one thing I want to, I want to kind of address, uh, going into this is something that really just pisses me off. Okay. So there's, there's, there's these big things. So Jason Reitman has actually gone on record in a couple of different interviews, I believe over the last few weeks, last week or so Mm -hmm. since the movie officially released. Mm -hmm. Um, basically saying, first of all, that Ghostbusters two is still Canon. And two, addressing the fact that Slimer is not in this movie. No, no, no. Hang on. Bear I, hadn't, with I hadn't seen that second part yet. So, yeah. So he, 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 he actually talked about why Slimer is not in this movie. And I don't even know why this is a damn discussion. Because, so with Slimer not being in this movie, basically his, his entire thing is, well, the movie takes place in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> you. Yep. Kind of far from New York. <laughs> and, and I didn't even think this needed to be addressed. I mean, yeah, it's nowhere near New York. Why would the fuck would Slimer be in Oklahoma? He wouldn't. <laughs> he wouldn't. That's the thing. I, he wouldn't. I know at least one member of this podcast network who loves this movie, um, not solely because, but in part because there's no goddamn Slimer. <laughs> I won't name names or point fingers. Their name may start with a C. <laughs> um, so, and and also the fact that he had to go on and say, because everybody, there's like a shit ton of fans who are like, wait, so so Ghostbusters 2 isn't canon anymore? What? <sighs> what in this movie would decanonize? I mean, literally, Ray still owns Ray's occult. Here's, here's I think, why this is happening. Uh, one, people are stupid. Uh, <laughs> two, people are dumb. Three people right now, sorry, uh, because the movie does not directly reference Ghostbusters 2, people think, oh, it's it's not canon anymore. Even though, yes, Ray still owns the freaking bookstore. Yes. 
It's still canon. Yeah. This movie's plot is very much steeped in Gozerian lore. Yes. And Ghostbusters 2 does not have anything to do with Gozer or Shandor or any yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. It doesn't have any bearing on this plot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and the fact that we ha- the fact that Jason Reitman has to go on record to to reassure fans or, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, to reassure the crybabies uh, that, that yeah, yeah, it's still canon. You know what? It, it just just kills me. Uh, the second part of this is uh, I've I've seen a couple of things on different forums in different venues where people reference the video game. Mm-hmm. And and I, I know that. So, first of all, there's there's a, a lot of people who consider the video game Ghostbusters three. You know, just head mm-hmm. and, and I I'm I'm among them. Because. Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis wrote, you know, most of the script and plot for the Ghostbusters, the video game. Uh, and I get it. And, and there's some things that are a little wonky, you know between the video game and this because they're writing a video game they're not writing a movie movie so there's some certain points they had to hit with a video game but if if you actually do a deep dive and and you look at the video game the story um there's there's nothing in this movie that would completely contradict and by completely contradict i mean there's no way you could write yourself out of it uh, you'd have to do some finagling like uh, the, the you would completely contradict the video game um, like Evo Shandor in the video game. And once again, we're in spoiler territory here is uh, is a villain. You you, you encounter his spirit. Mm-hmm. You, you encounter his spirit, not his physical form. So literally whatever happened with his spirit on the other side in the video game would have no bearing with his spirit being pulled back to his body because of this event. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that they wrote the video game with this in mind. Obviously they didn't. I'm not saying they wrote, you know, Jason Reitman and whoever his co-writer was, because I can't remember, wrote this movie with the video game in mind because they probably didn't. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, down the road, if you wanted to bridge the two, it's not impossible. I'm also going to go ahead and say this. If you thought the video game was going to be canon, what fucking world do you live in? (laughs) Um, video game. No, the, the IDW and again, just because something isn't canon doesn't mean it's not good anymore or it's not valid. The Ghostbusters, the 2009 video game is amazing it is a great video game if you're a ghostbusters fan and you haven't played it you're not a ghostbusters fan go get you a copy it's amazing it it, again it's the closest to that ghostbusters 3 we wanted back in the 90s that we'll ever get yeah uh that being said it's a video game yeah why do you think they would spend 75 million dollars make a sequel and make sure the video game is canon too No, get over yourself. The IDW comic is not canon. It's a great comic, but it's not canon. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, when I see it, like, like I consider the video game uh, Ghostbusters 3, it's my head canon. It's not, yeah, I'm not trying to say, oh, you got to adhere to this. No, you don't. You don't. It's a damn video game. You know, I mean, Real Ghostbusters is a fantastic 
three seasons of a cartoon show. Uh, but it's not canon. Again, yeah. that doesn't mean it's bad. That doesn't mean it isn't important in the history of Ghostbusters, but it's not canon to the movies. And mm-hmm. that's what this is. This is a sequel to, or a follow-up to, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, so, exactly. And, get anyway, over all. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't mean to derail our, our progress, but I, I wanted to bring <laughs> that up. You know, the, the fact that we got all these people going, well, this isn't canon now, or that's not canon now. You know what? Get over your damn selves. And this, this has been, it's not canon, you idiots. <laughs> uh Gil Kennan or Keenan is the um co-writer of this movie, by the way. Oh. Uh, just to clarify that. Uh but anyway, back to what this movie is. Sorry. Besides being fantastic. Um the characters yes. in this movie and the actors portraying them. Uh there's not a weak link in the bunch with this movie. Uh and, and I'll say some characters do get more shortchanged than others. This is very much phoebe's story yeah she is the central character the focus is on her the development is on her at some points to the i feel the detriment of other characters i think trevor gets very shortchanged because yeah. a lot of the attention gets put on phoebe that being said she's the main character i'm okay with that and and mckenna grace oh my god uh knocks this out of the park she is a joy to watch she does a great job with the character you enjoy going on this journey with this character. She's she's could have so easily just been a bag of quirks thrown together, but she feels like a genuine real character, a, a real person throughout the entire movie, despite having some quirks. Um, I just watched the, what sticks out to my head, uh, the movie Old from M. Night Shyamalan where M. Night Shyamala has this annoying habit of he gives the character one random weird quirk, and that's their entire character. Um, and Old felt very much that way. Every character in Old has one character description, or like one describing feature, and that's their entire character. That's it. Um, so, <laughs> and that, that I watched it on the plane to Florida. That's why it's in my head. Um, but every character feels genuine, uh, feels no one does anything that feels out of place or out of character and even characters like podcast who could have very easily got very annoying brings it back just enough to to be very likable um but the entire cast is great i don't think think there's a weak link in the bunch they all play their roles very well uh even a lot of the minor supporting actors uh i mean you brought up ivo shandor fucking jk simmons is in this movie yeah, for the 10 seconds he's on screen. It's short, but pointless. But J.K. Simmons <laughs> is in this movie. Uh, Olivia Wilde is back as Gozer. Uh, uh, Bokeen Woodbine plays the local sheriff. And I'm like, these are not like no-name, talentless actors. These are like really good, critically acclaimed actors. And they're playing, again, these parts could have easily been booked by whatever local talent they happen to find there. Um, not to knock local talent, but this could have easily been just very small parts, but they found really good quality actors uh, to play them. And like, even again, <laughs> Ivo Shandor, like you said, he's in the movie for about 15 seconds, 10 and a half of which he's asleep, <laughs> <laughs> but, but they got freaking JK Simmons to play him. Yeah. JK Simmons plays one of the, one of the greatest corpses ever. <laughs> <laughs> I have questions about that. We'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything to add? Again, the, the actors. Again, I don't. I can't. 
looking back and going through the you know look, thinking going through my head and thinking of the characters and the, and the actors playing them I, there's no one who I'm like well they could have done better like everyone plays their role to the the you know perfection yeah uh, yeah I, I mean uh, you know watching watching this movie the the the, the characters are great um the the performances are spot on um I, I don't know. I, I, I watched, I haven't seen this movie a second time yet. And, and, and I'm, I'm really upset by that because I haven't had the opportunity uh, to see it a second time. And I really want to. Someone uh, tried to talk you into it on Saturday, but I know, but it was late and, and I was, I was tired and I'm old. Mm-hmm. And there was Penn station calling. You know, and I there guess. was Penn station calling. Um, that being said, <laughs> I am free tomorrow during the day. I'm just, just saying. I'm not. So. Well, damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you go have fun, buddy. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the, I love the fact uh, that this movie basically goes back to the the Gozer uh, uh, storyline to to give us new characters and a, a new. Not only does it give us new characters, but it gives us new rules for the ghostbusters world yeah if that makes sense so so first off we've got you know uh once again we're we're in we're in spoiler territory here so i can i can spoil stuff. yeah we already spoiled jk simmons for you so exactly um so egon at the beginning of the film traps one of the terror dogs mm-hmm. from the first movie and we don't know exactly how much time passes between that and when when McKenna Grace's when Phoebe uh, finds the trap. I, I think having seen it three times because I'm a good fan. Uh, I'm joking. Oh. I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh. I, I think there's one point where McKenna Grace kind of when she's talking to Ray. Um, I think there's roughly a, a, a week or two, maybe a, like less than a month between the cold open of the film and when the rest of the story takes place. It's not very long okay, uh, because so. she tells Ray that Egon's passed. Yeah. Uh, it's, I believe it's a few weeks. Well, so my thing with that is they, they hook up the trap and they try to open it, but it doesn't open. And they, they, they go out to one of the, the, the school buses and they hook up the battery of the school bus, or actually technically the alternator of the school bus, to provide power to the trap. Right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when... Um, um, shit, I can't remember his name. Scott Lang. <laughs> Paul Rudd is his name. Thank you. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Gary uh, Gruberson, but for all intents and purposes, we're just going to call him Paul Rudd. <laughs> Uh, when Paul Rudd drops the trap, remember he opens it up because he, he he holds it up because he thinks yes. it's a replica, um, and then it does the little wisp of spiritual energy, and mm. he drops it, and it goes, and it 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 it, it does a little bit of electrical energy. Um. So, but then of course, then they then they 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 hook it up, and he hits the the pedal, and nothing happens. Um. So you've got a, you've got some questions there. And once again, this comes down to writing. In future installments, you could write this different way. It, it, it could also entirely just be a faulty pedal, Scott. 
It could all because exactly. when we see when we see Egon put it in, and when we see uh, Phoebe take it out, there's no pedal attached to the track. There's no pedal attached to it. Exactly. So she could have just gotten a, a bad pedal. Exactly. Once again, there's multiple ways to write this, but but we get the whole thing that possibly the containment of a ghost inside a trap is not entirely power dependent. If if that makes sense. Right. So and and then we get the whole the fact that Egon has created a trap farm. Maybe could we call it that? Yeah. I've a got tra- questions about that. A trap field basically he he's he he knows that Gozer cannot be contained in a single trap, so he has created a network of traps to contain the power of Gozer, and he's trying to lure Gozer into that trap field um, to to contain uh, the whole power. So apparently, spectral energy from a single entity can be spread across multiple traps. So once again. This movie gives us more development on the world and the rules of Ghostbusters. It also incorporates stuff, and this is going to get super nerdy, uh, stuff we've seen in the cartoons and in the games, but not in the films, which is ghosts breaking streams. Uh, In the movie, uh, in one and two, anytime you hit a ghost with a capture stream, you've got it. In the video game, ghosts break out all the time because, you know, that's the mechanic of the game. In the real Ghostbusters cartoon, you see ghosts break out of streams. And in this film, not just Gozer, but we see Munchard literally bite through a proton stream. Um, so, again, not necessarily a new rule, but something we hadn't seen on screen before. Yeah. Um, and, and and I loved, uh, personally, I loved um, Gozer. Pulling the streams apart. Yes. Uncrossing uh, the streams. Uncrossing the streams. Uh, well, actually, I take that back. I, I, I loved it. And at the same time, I, my geek nerd disliked it. Your science uh, brain kicked in and said, uh, what a mess. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and this is something that kills me with this movie. Um, so the guys, you know, specifically Egon, you know, Ray and Winston, they come in, they do their thing. Yo, flat top, which is a beautiful line. Um, he means Peter Rain Winston. What did I say? Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, and they 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 throw streams at at Gozer and they cross the streams because that's what they did in 1984. They're like, yep. hey, it worked once, let's do it again. But in 1984, crossing the streams was Egon's idea. And the reason Egon came up with this idea was he wanted to reverse the particle flow through the gate, which means he wanted to pull all the spectral energy. He wanted to shove it back into where it came from and close the gate. Because according to Egon, I'm sorry, according to Ray in 1984, crossing the streams causes a total protonic reversal. That's according Uh, to... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, And in this movie... There's no gate because Gozer is physically there having climbed out of the pit, not a summoned manifestation through a portal. And but they didn't know that because once again, none of the guys that are around are as smart as Egon. Sorry, they're not. Um, So they just cross the streams. Um, uh, So, you know, 
basically when they hit her with the streams and they're crossing the streams, they're 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 getting uh, the the interaction of, of the uh, 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 of the proton streams and everything. And yeah, it's it's kind of hitting her a bit, but she she's getting hit by three of them, and she just stops, grabs them, and pulls them apart, and she starts resisting because the and, because crossing the streams isn't actually doing anything. And and whips the guys while doing it too. She does the same thing to uh, to Lucky when she has her her cool hero moment and kicks in the farm door and blasts uh goes her yeah. goes her grabs the stream and yanks it and pulls her. Yep. Uh, pulls which her again is, is is a cool interactivity kind of moment you never see in movies before this and it's it's something I, uh, Jason Reitman did wonderfully and something that I will even credit Paul Feig with doing a good job of which is and I'll, I'll I'm going to uh, paraphrase Jason Reitman talking about it uh, when he was talking about filming the car chase scene where they're trying to catch Muncher. Um, if you look at Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusting consists of guys standing and shooting a beam. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very kind of inert, passive thing. You're standing there and you're firing your beam. That's it. Three guys, there are four guys standing in a row firing a beam. That's kind of boring. Uh, and again, even in uh, Answer the Call, Paul Feig tried his best uh, and I think succeeded for the most part in making Ghostbusting an active thing. Yep. And, and so we're not just all standing there shooting a beam at something. And Paul Feig did that by introducing cool new gadgets and weapons uh, and, and the whole, you know, sort of uh, you know, rolling on the ground thing. Uh, Jason Reitman does that with uh, uh, having Ghostbusters, their first bust, be in the middle of a car chase, uh, which was cool. And, and we've got some cool tweaks on gear and stuff. But just the, the notion of a, a ghost or something not only breaking the stream, but being able to grab your stream and yank you just as easily as you hit a ghost and yank them into a trap. That's a cool playoff. That's a, a cool way to make ghostbusting sort of a little dangerous, uh, a little hazardous, and and again, a more active thing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I like well, in, in, in that scene, and one of the things that I loved in that scene is, you know, Lucky, Lucky bursts out the door. And she shoots, she shoots Gozer and hits him with the capture stream, uh, and then Gozer, you know, you know, reacts, look, you know, looks up at her, you know, grabs the stream and pulls her forward. And if you'll look at that shot, uh, I think the the beauty of that shot is the fact that as she's flying through the air, she shuts down the neutronal wand. Mm-hmm. You know, she she kills the beam, and and that of course you know kills Gozer's control over her. She just drops straight down. So yeah, I I, I yeah. love that. Um, uh, do, 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 do. other new things we get, and there are tweaks on on uh, all the gear. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, has been tweaked. Um, some ways, I think, a little more practical and cool than others. Um, there's at least one. Uh, you know, the the Spangler pack. Um, that means got kind of talked about this but um and it's never something that's like overtly stated um but spangler's pack egon's pack the one that phoebe fixes up uh, with the help of egon's ghost is not a standard proton pack it's a souped up proton pack it's why phoebe's able to go toe-to-toe with gozer at the end um and believe me we'll get to that uh but the subtlety of that, because again, it's one of those things where, as an Uber Ghostbuster nerd who's built their own proton pack, we look at that pack and say, "That's not standard. That that someone's been messing with that." Um, 
But it's never like there's never a scene where like we see Egon's plans of how to soup up a pack or we see him working on it or something like it's it's very subtle. Um, but his pack is is souped up. Obviously, the the big thing is the RTV, the the ghost trap on wheels, which is simple tweak. It's literally a ghost trap and we put some wheels on it and you can control like a remote control car. It's not reinventing a trap. It's an addition to a trap. And it gets us that amazing scene of ghost busting while in the middle of a car chase. And I love everything about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the ghost busting car chase. God, that's something that Ghostbusters has on screen has definitely needed. Uh, in the cartoon, we'd seen it. You know, we, we'd mm-hmm. seen it going through different things. And, and this is something that I think uh, the movie benefits from Jason Reitman as the director. Is that Jason Reitman is our age. Jason Reitman, you know, I, I would say he he grew up with the cartoon, and he did, but he also grew up on the movies. Um, he is the original Ghostbuster fan because he yeah, beat all of us to it because he exactly. knew what it was before any of the rest of us did. Exactly. Um, but the toy of Ghostbusters, you know, the the toy of Ecto One from mm-hmm. Kenner in the eighties, you know, it it had that gunner seat that was on top. Um, and it had a claw that came out of the back of the Ecto that you could use to catch ghosts with. So there was a toy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just it was just functionality they wanted, you know, that Kenner put into the toy for kids yeah. to be able to play. And I get that. You throw some play features in, yeah. You throw some play features in. But Jason Reitman said, I want my on-screen Ecto to be the Ecto I played with. And by God, I appreciate that. You know? And he he improved on it, too, because as cool as the gunner's chair is on the top and, and there's one or two times you see it in the cartoon, and that's cool. But the gunner seat swinging out of the side of the Ecto like the Jeep from Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. Even though we had to listen to the, the stupid fanboys go, the letter's on the wrong side. You know no, what? No. Let's open the door. Let him alone. I'm fine with all that simply because as soon as the first trailer went up and it showed the gunner seat. Jason Reitman tweeted out a picture of the gunner seat and it said, Hey, remember when you guys thought I put the ladder on the wrong side? And that that alone of Reitman is shutting up all the dumbass fanboys, worth it. Yeah. Very much. No, I love that moment. Uh, yeah. uh but uh, and like you well, I think you were getting towards is the the RTV drops out of the back of the Ecto yep. like the claw did. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. He full on took our screen ecto and kennered it the shit up. And a remote control trap on wheels is immensely cooler than a big claw thing that retracts into the back of the ecto. So that's, that's very true too. Yeah. Both both major improvement. I, I love that he took the notion of what the toy could do, and then he's like, "No, let's do. We can do better than that." Uh, I'm not sure what RTV can travel as fast as a full on Cadillac with a Corvette <laughs> engine. But I am there for it. I am yeah. there for it. I will suspend my... If I can believe that a ghost will only follow direct roadways while flying away, I will believe that the RTV can go as fast as a Cadillac. Oh, Disbelief God. suspended. Um, we also saw... Uh, and sadly, this didn't really come into play much, but we uh, the Ecto goggles have an upgrade, which I love because it's another sort of like it would have been a cool upgrade in the 90s, and now it's so old, it's sort of like, okay, well, it isn't really much of an upgrade anymore, which is the Ecto goggles can take a Polaroid of whatever you're seeing. 
<laughs> which I love because you got totally would have done that. Uh, but Polaroid doesn't exist anymore. So now yeah. it'd be like, you know, a digital uh, thing. But I love that. And sadly, we don't really get to see him much. Um, so I've had canon that, Scott. You'll be proud of me. Because my thing was, podcast is controlling the RTV, but how does he know when he's on target? Or how does he know without just looking out the windshield of the, the Ecto where the RTV is? And the whole time he's doing that, he's wearing the goggles. Yes. So headcanon, the goggles is synced up to a camera on the front of the RTV. Yeah, I because 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 on the front of the RCTV you've got um, you've got two devices, one of which obviously is a flashlight, which gives you a quote unquote headlight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other one is a camera, and and it syncs back up to the goggles. Yeah, that's what makes sense to me. That's and until proven otherwise, that's my headcanon. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, um, switching gears on you a little bit. There's well, hold on. There's thing. there's one thing I have to bring up because I know you're going to have a little bit of a rant about it. Uh-oh. What's up? We talked about all the old gear getting an upgrade. Yep. We haven't talked about the upgrade to the PKE meter yet. God. <laughs> now, look. Six-year-old John loves this. 30-year-old John has some issues with it. But in this movie, the PKE meter not only functions as the amazing PKE meter that can detect ghost energy and help you track a ghost, it also has a bonus taser mode. <laughs> Which again, as a six-year-old, I love, and I have the toy, and it's fun to play with. Uh, but Scott, uh, please tell us why it makes no sense. I just, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. Um for two for 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 a couple of different reasons one in the movie it doesn't get enough of a payoff in the movie to justify its existence that's fair you know i mean other than i think podcast uses it to to zap the marshmallow minis and that's really about it that's it yeah like egon when he's when he's so once the trap doesn't work and egon at the beginning you know the the trap doesn't work he's like well shit and he goes and sits down in his chair because he he has no other plan. He has no mm-hmm. other uh, defense um, because apparently his proton pack is currently disassembled. And he I pulled the Kemp. Uh, <laughs> he had one. He had one working pack, and he took it apart. He was tinkering with it. Yeah. So when he needed it, he couldn't. He wasn't put together. Yep. He wasn't put together because it's not put together when Phoebe finds it. Um, and so the only defensive tool he has is this. This. This this pke taser this pke meter 2.0 um which he flips to taser mode just long enough for us to see it can go to a taser mode and then in, then he gets hit from behind and drops it underneath the the chair um so it does nothing for him to you know to protect himself against the terror dogs and goes there at the beginning of the film and then like you said later on the only person that uses it is podcast against the the marshmallow minions the little the little minion goo things i think um, maybe trevor uses it to scare off their mom when she's been possessed but she, she he doesn't actually t- yeah exactly he doesn't actually taser her so it's payoff in the movie is it does not justify its existence also i don't if you were going to make a an ecto taser, I don't think you would make it out of an existing piece of equipment. That just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I, I agree with that. And I, again, from a certain point, I can see why they did it. 
Uh, and again, six-year-old me loves it because uh, I love the toy. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea of a ghost taser, but incorporating it into a PKE meter is just kind of weird. That's like if your cell phone had an app that turned it into a taser. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's, hey, they're not can... built for the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like hey, we, you know, if we can make a taser for people for self-defense, like in case of a bugging, that would be cool. Oh, really? Yeah, that would be cool. Let's, let's make a new device. No, no, no. They already carry a cell phone. Let's just incorporate it into the cell phone. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I, I'll agree with you on that one. Yeah. It just, and, and, exactly. I think that's all the gear. Because there's nothing really, again, we don't get any, like, brand new gear. There's no equivalent of, like, the slime blower, the Gaga meter. Uh, it's, all, it's all the old equipment, but it's been given some kind of an upgrade. Uh, the the proton pack, at least one of them is is souped up. It's the Spangler pack, uh, the PKE taser, the uh, trap RTV, the Eto goggle Polaroid camera. Uh, again, it's it's all the old equipment, but it's it's got some kind of a, like an alt mode or you know. Uh, but there's nothing flat out brand new gear wise just for this movie. Yeah, I, I'm totally forgetting something. I, I guess you can count podcasts recorder and a shotgun mic, which. That kid has very nice podcasting equipment for a 12-year-old. He does. He does. For a kid his age, he has some wonderful equipment. Um, but yeah, as far as ghostbusting equipment, uh, I don't think there's anything really brand new. It's just all variations on the 1984 theme. And supposedly in Egon's underground lab, you can see the Gaga meter, but I've seen it three times and I have not seen the Gaga meter yet. So I'll keep looking. Uh, I, I guess yes. I'll, I guess I'll have to try and find it if ever I get invited to a second showing by anyone. I, just yeah, because I didn't invite you freaking Saturday. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> oh, there's just so much to talk about with this movie. So I, I go ahead. One thing I would like to bring up is the yes. fact this movie corrects an error from Ghostbusters 1984. Oh, okay. It does. There is a mistake in Ghostbusters 1984 that this movie. I think I know what you're going to go with. And I knew it immediately the first time I saw it. When I saw it on screen, I'm like, holy shit, they got it right this time. Is it the Bible quote? It is the Bible quote. (laughs) So in Ghostbusters 1984, when Ray and Winston are traveling back to the, the firehouse from a job. They are discussing the apocalypse and the the I guess you could say the 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 existentialism of what's going on in New York at the time. And um, uh, Winston asks Ray, you know, do do you know anything? You know, uh, does anything seem familiar for you, or do you know anything about the apocalypse? And Ray says, um, I remember Revelations seven twelve. Um, and, uh, you know, be, uh, the, the sun became as black as sackcloth and the sea became as blood, uh, and the skies, uh, the, 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 I can't remember the exact quote right now, but the, let's see, 1984, 1985. So nine, 10 year old me, after seeing this movie, went and looked up that Bible quote and that Bible quote that he's referencing is not revelation seven twelve. It's Revelations 6.12. He got the chapter wrong in 1984. But in this movie, when you see the 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 uh, um, 
the apocalyptic warnings uh, on the boards outside of Egon's farm, it's corrected to Revelations six twelve. And when we watched, you know, when we watched the movie, we did it as a group this, you know, uh, this past week. And um, uh, when it comes to that, I'm like, oh, they they got the chapter right. <laughs> it's was... also corrected on Ray's tattoo. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yep, it's six twelve, not seven twelve. So I love the fact that they got the 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 quote right in this movie. It made me happy. Well, if we're gonna talk retcons, uh, a deleted scene from Ghostbusters is now canon. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, I love that. Uh, I love how nerdy we got with that. It, it's ultimately kind of, I, I guess, short but pointless, kind of like J.K. Simmons. But uh, one of the end credit scenes, we we see uh, the deleted scene from Ghostbusters 1, right before the guys uh, load up and drive off to go fight Gozer. Um, Janine gives Egon her lucky World's Fair coin, um, which, again, was a deleted scene on, I think the DVD had it originally, but it's on the Blu-ray and stuff now. That scene plays out directly in front of us. Um, up on the big screen. It's not like somebody watching it on a, a laptop or something. It is right there. And then we immediately go from that to cut to Janine holding the coin in her hand, looking at it before she goes in to talk to Winston. Well, is she holding that coin or is she holding the second one that she has? Because remember, she she's said, holding a hey, coin. I hey, will let you decide. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. She's like, ah, it's okay. I have two of them. Well, Apparently, that World's Fair had, like, an entire set of coins for people to collect. So right. there isn't just, like, one commemorative coin from that World's Fair. There's multiple. So, right. um, but, yeah, so I don't mind it, but it seemed like a long walk <laughs> off a short pier uh, of, hey, let's play that entire scene so people will understand what coin she's holding in her hand. Because we, we see her looking at it, and then we immediately cut from that right into talking to winston so you cut that one shot of her looking at a coin out and you don't really need the deleted scene again i'm not complaining i just don't quite understand it uh because it's one of those things where we had to explain the reference before we made the reference yeah we, we, but we whatever had, we had to have the setup yeah it's a it's a quick setup to pay off it's like but yeah but still a little weird but i love it yeah, no, that that was good. That was good. The fact that we included a deleted scene as a flashback. That was awesome. <sighs> um, I love it. Yeah, I just where, where to go next? Um, well, all right, so, let's talk about it. Okay, good. Uh, well, I was gonna say so. Going going through it, we we we've talked about you know some of the 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 the, the things prelims going into this, and we've talked about what we like and everything, but. This movie going going now forward. This movie does have some plot holes. Oh yeah, that uh, while not insurmountable, future installments could remedy those plot holes. But what I'm saying is, when I watch this movie, I have questions. How is Shandor still alive, or his body is still that well preserved after 75 years as a corpse? That that's that's a good one. I mean, very confused about that. Obviously, it has something to do with and and why was he buried in the mine or why mm -hmm. was he encased in the mine? You know, stuff like that. 
Um, the big one for me going forward is I get the story that they're telling. Okay, cool. I'm good with it. But given the nature of the characters of Ray Stans and Egon Spengler in the previous two movies, I find it very hard to believe that Egon would go to Ray and say, look, I found this data. This is what I've got. I think something's going on and Ray not believing him. I, I, I know you have a different personal well, perspective I, on this and I get that, but yeah, I've heard that same argument. I don't disagree with it because I'll be honest. Uh, my jaw was on the floor. Uh, when I heard the phrase Egon Spengler can rot in hell coming out of Ray's mouth, I was like, what? Um, yeah, that, that little, there were gasps in my theater. I was like, what? Um, because we never really get much of an explanation. Yeah. Uh, other than Egon was becoming obsessed with Gozer and the return and the doomsday prophecy. He was, to the point where it was becoming a detriment to the business uh, because he was telling customers their little ghost problems didn't matter. Um, and and it came to a head when Ray came in one day and Egon had just taken all the gear and equipment and the Ecto and just fucked off with it. Um, so I see both sides of it. I see... That doesn't make sense for those characters. I don't believe that. I also understand we're seeing the end of this decades long feud that built over time yeah if you watch ghostbusters one two and then afterlife it's gonna feel weird because it's like well those guys were best buds like i saw them you know developing pictures of vigo and talking about where to get dinner and like they were the bffs like what the hell but there's 30 some years of baggage we don't see so it's jarring. I don't think it's like you said, future movies, future installments could maybe flesh it out a little bit more. Um, it also I, I also kind of don't mind it because. We get resolution to it, specifically Ray gets resolution. Yeah. Resolution to it. And first of all, every time I watch this movie, the last like 10 minutes or so of that third act. I fucking ball my eyes out every time. Uh, and I find a new reason to ball my eyes out every time I watch it. Uh, most recently, it was uh, surprise, spoiler, not a spoiler. All the guys show back up at the end. Um, which, side note, I love, I love that they completely show up out of nowhere <laughs> and tackle, uh, have the little, little, little tete uh, a tete with Gozer. And then Gozer looks at them and says, Are you a god? And I kept waiting for someone to make a Deus Ex Machina joke. <laughs> Because, yes, in that moment, they are literally gods. They are deus ex machina. They came from nowhere to yep. save everybody. Yep. I love that. Um, anyway, sorry, back on topic. So, I was specifically watching Ray during the sequence when they have their little moment with, with Egon's ghost. Yeah. And, god damn, Dan Aykroyd's reaction in every scene and specifically when he gets to say to Egon, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you. Yeah. I'm getting missy right now just thinking about it in the theater. But, and again, 
part of the reason I'm not so upset about it is because we get to see a resolution to that. It's not yeah. a no. he was my best friend and we fell apart and we'll never get to say we're sorry. Like, yeah, so yeah. There's my two cents. Yeah, it was. It, it, it you know uh, while I while I have problems with the fact that Ray doesn't believe Egon and they have this falling out, we do get a resolution to that, that to that to that story we get a payoff to the whole thing um you know jason jason reitman and and the other guy that you mentioned earlier whose name i still can't remember um um they do a very good job of giving us a very uh encapsulated and book framed uh story uh it, it it has a great beginning it goes through a climax it has a great ending which wraps up stuff that was set up in the beginning it, it it's beautiful all the way through um like i said and it's it's not something that can't be you know kind of resolved later or with because i'm sure there's other stuff that we don't know that was mm-hmm. in you know their heads when they were writing that either got cut out or never got filmed or you know because you've only got so much time to tell a story um uh so I'm sure there's there's a reason there. We just didn't get it all in the movie, and I'm fine with that. Um that being said, when you bring up the point of them showing up out of nowhere, so I have proposed to a friend of mine that I want to see a tie-in comic or something <laughs> where literally we we have the start of the fight with Gozer out front, and then we pull back, you know. So we, so you have the start of the fight when they first get there and they first doing their thing and then you pull back and you you cut over to like Ray uh Peter and Winston showing up in in a car or a cab or something out front and literally throughout the whole fight you you have them um searching through the house for proton packs <laughs> 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 got to be here somewhere well find them shit damn it <laughs> I mean, Gozer's right there. And so you have them sneaking through the house. And finally, they find the gear. And I'm like, oh, well, with, with Egon's ghost's mm-hmm. help, of course. You know, <laughs> Egon's showing them where the packs are. They get the packs on. And then we we cut to their entrance in the, in, into the finale of the movie. Uh, I, for some odd reason, I think that's funny. Uh, I'm down for that. <laughs> Uh, or, or it's them pulling up in an Uber with the packs they brought from home. Arguing over. <laughs> uh, they're trying to get packs on and uh, yeah, Peter is trying to you know, pay for the Uber. and yeah, Something like that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Um, my, my biggest gripe with the movie. Because um, it is a great movie. It is not a perfect movie. Um I feel like there's a longer version of this movie and a more, I don't want to say detailed, but a, a more specific plotted version of this movie. There are so many cool little plot threads that get tossed out there that ultimately kind of go nowhere. We talked about Shandor. Uh, as soon as we cut to the kids exploring the cave and, and podcast says, I found a body and we see the glass coffin and I sat up in my chair. And I'm like, oh my God, are we doing this? And they walk over and it's Evo Shandor. I'm like, oh my God, we're doing this. Uh, I really, really thought our big bad for this was going to be Evo Shandor. That we were going to get into the whole Shandorian, Gozerian cult stuff, but that it wouldn't be uh, step for step 
redo of the end of Ghostbusters one. Yeah. Which is what it turns into. I was, I'm not mad at the movie for that. I'm a little disappointed by that. And I get it. It's you know, having seen it multiple times now. It's, it's about closure. It's about closing off that. Cause in one, we don't really stop Gozer. We just push Gozer back to where Gozer came from. Gozer is still out there. Gozer is still a threat. At the end of this movie depending on your your point of view we've trapped gozer gozer is now no longer out there in the ether we've got gozer trapped gozer is done so i get that sense of closure i understand that but i was really hoping we'd get something connected to, to gozer but not the exact same beat for beat of you know key master gatekeeper gozer temple i thought i was hoping we'd get something a little different than that uh gruber uh sorry uh um um scott lang <laughs> I forgot we're supposed to call him uh, Baskin Robbins. Uh, he he finds a map of Somerville that's thousands of years old, even though Somerville isn't that old. I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I kept waiting for him to like put that map over his seismo map of the town. And like, I kept waiting for something. There's so many cool threads. There's a scene where we see podcasts reading out of a book that we're pretty sure is supposed to be Tobin's spirit guide, but we never see the cover of it. So we don't know if it's like, there's so many cool little threads in here that ultimately kind of fall to the wayside. I feel like there's a longer movie, uh, a more fleshed out movie, I guess is what I'm trying to say somewhere. Uh, yeah. And I know they the pressure is to keep it under two hours. Uh, and I get that. So I'm not mad through for it, but I, I want to see all that stuff. And I'm, I'm really up, mostly upset. My, my biggest, like if I could fix any one thing with this movie, it would be that we in the third act just kind of get plot uh, or one to one. It's the Gozer thing again. Uh, my other gripe with the movie, that's a really easy fix. Um, when the shit hits the fan, because Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 all have the montage of going into Act 3 and we're at our low point and the shit hits the fan and the city goes nuts. Ghostbusters 1 has it. It's where we get the subway ghost and Slimer in the hot dog cart and the taxi driver ghost. Ghostbusters 2, you've got the, the mink coat coming to life and the giant monster in the uh, Arc de Triumph and, and uh, the Titanic arriving. Like you know, All chaos is breaking out through the city. And this movie kind of does that, but not really. We get like the eye popper ghost, which was awesome. Yeah. And the miner in the at the coffee bar. And that's about it. Like I would have liked another few ghosts or another few instances of like shit going crazy that we didn't get. And again, looking at some of the shots in the movie, like when they go back to the police station to, to get the ecto and their stuff back out. No one's in the police station. There's an abandoned cop car out front, like up on the curb, door still open. I feel like there's a lot more we didn't get, whether it was cut for time or budget or whatever. Um, but those are my big two gripes, is, is, is we kind of end up redoing the Gozer stuff from one, which I kind of understand where they're coming from, and more shit hits the fan chaos would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, that, that personally didn't, didn't bother me that much. Uh, I liked what we got, but uh, but I can understand your your point of view uh, on that. And uh, if we'd have gotten a little bit more of the town going nuts, uh, I think it would have added to. Um, well, and and specifically, the the one thing when it comes to that point that gets me is that after the kids are arrested, 
mm-hmm. we really don't see the sheriff again. Yeah. You know, uh, during that point is when the sh- when we should have seen the sheriff come back and go, oh, shit, I was the sheriff should have got his comeuppance, you know, should have, they, they, they should have had their I told you so moment. But we don't get that. Yeah. It would have held up the stakes for Lucky. If, if yeah. something had happened to her dad and she, you know, again, I'm just kind of spitballing ideas here, but exactly. again, I, I feel like having seen it multiple times, I, I, the first time I just let it kind of, uh, I just wanted to experience the film and I, I being a nerd kind of had my mental checklist of things I wanted to see a movie do. And I was very concerned with did it tick all the boxes. Um, the second viewing, I just kind of let it wash over me and try to enjoy it for what it is. But the third viewing, I kind of had my filmmaker hat on and I, I noticed cuts a little more. I was paying attention to wardrobe at certain points to be like, wait, where are we in the timeline for this? What, what's okay. So she we're in a different outfit here. Did she just change clothes or are we missing some kind of transition here? I, I, I noticed the way I think it's cut together a little more and I, yeah. I see some gaps in there and there's scenes we see in the trailers that aren't in this. So we know there's stuff that got cut. Yeah. Uh, my, my hope is, I don't just want deleted scenes on a, on a Blu-ray. I want a full-on, I don't care if it's two hours and 30 minutes or two hours and 45 minutes, I want the full-on director's cut. I want I want all of it cut into where it's supposed to be in the movie. Even if it isn't coded, uh, I still <laughs> want to see the, the full cut. Um, but those are really my, my, upon multiple viewings, those are really my, my big two issues or, or opportunities for improvement. Uh, as corporate would have me say, um, that I, I feel this movie uh, kind of dropped the ball on. Um, yeah, I, I like the use of OFIs. <laughs> no mistakes, just opportunities for improvement. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm I'm sitting here looking at the the picture that was tweeted out for the the cover of Tobin's Spirit Guide. Yeah. Um. And I know that the picture that was tweeted out was of some custom action figure packaging and not a production copy of the book. Of the full cover, right? Well, there's there's two. There's one, if you Google it, there's they Hasbro gave Ivan and Jason custom action figures of them. And yeah. the the box it comes in is the the Tobin. Tobin Spirit Guide. But Jason Reitman, while they were shooting, tweeted out, and it's like it's a canted, like, top corner of the book. Yes. Uh, and you just, well, yeah. It, it's it's a section of the book, and, and, and that small section of the book that he tweeted out does match up with the center of the, the packaging for the action figure. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. whether or not they're the exact same or not. But just looking at the... The packaging of the action figure, while it's cool, I have some issues with it. <laughs> and if we see a a full copy of the, you know, if we see a full image of the production copy, be it in a, an extended in the director's cut of the movie or just whatever, I really hope it's not like this because there's, there, there's there's things about this that pisses me off. So, so, so first of all, the title of the book, like, like in the dead center of the book, there's there's a title in what's supposed to be gold, uh, gold leaf. If it was an actual leather bound book, you know, uh-huh. and it says Tobin's spirit guide. And then 
just below the title and to the right, in, in, in a little bit smaller type, is J.H. Tobin. So I feel like if J.H. Tobin was a real person and he had wrote this book, you know, way back when and it was leather bound, that A, it probably wouldn't have a title on the cover at all. The, t- the cover would just be whatever symbols and, and things, you know, is engraved upon it. Because most books of that era don't have a title on the cover. They have a title on the spine. Okay. You know? Um, and they have a title on the title page. Um, I don't think he would have called it Tobin's Spirit Guide. It would have either just said Spirit Guide or Guide to Spirits by J.H. Tobin. And then it would have been colloquially, colloquially, I hate that word, called Tobin's Spirit Guide by the people who referenced it later. If that makes sense. Those are all fine points. And I see where you're coming from. What I think happened is we had to have him reading a book to get exposition. Someone said it might not be the Tobin Spirit Guide. We never saw that. Tons of work went into, okay, well, what does it look like? If we're going to show it, what does it look like? And I am sure what happened is, well, we want it to be called Tobin Spirit Guide. So when we flash it up on screen for two seconds, people will go, oh, hey, it's the thing. And then we can cut away from it. And then I think what happened is they realized there were already plenty of other moments where it's, hey, it's the thing. Uh, that they were like, yeah, maybe we can cut that one out. Yeah, this is why. That's my own. I'm guessing what probably happened. This is why they need me on set <laughs> for these moments. Because I can, because when they bring this up, I can go, look, he wouldn't call it Tobin Spirit Guide. He would call it Guide to Spirits by J.H. Tobin. Uh, and, 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 and everything. Whoa, whoa, but how will people know? Will we can have podcasts say a line? Oh, hey, look, I found this, 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 this spirit guide by this Tobin guy or something. We can, we can have a line that ties it to us and makes it somewhat more believable than this big, bright gold Tobin's spirit guide. But that's also the nerd in me. So I'm not mad. I was upset we didn't get to see it. That too. That was that was from the moment they tweeted that photo out. That was one thing I was really excited is oh we're we're finally going to see an on-screen definitive. Here's what Tobin's look like. Because that's one of those things that fans for decades have been kind of guessing at, uh, uh, and and you know designing it. Which you know it's fun to design your own. There have been cool fan versions out there. Um, Scott has a very nice looking one that we have on the table. Uh, but I was really looking forward to seeing like, okay, here's a definitive, here's what it should look like kind of thing. Uh, and mostly I was looking forward to like, are they going to reprint the one from the, the comics uh, with that new cover? Cause I'll buy that again with that new cover on there. But alas, it was not to be. I, the, uh, of the, of the commercially available Tobin's spirit guides, that are out there. I still don't understand why there's two different versions of the newest one with a red and green cover. One is hardcover, one is soft cover. Oh, okay. That I did the, not know. The red is hardcover, the green was a soft cover that was an exclusive to something like ah. Loot Crate or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I'm, is... I'm pretty sure. All right, cool. There you go. You're right. <laughs> 
Um, do you want to get to the 800-pound gorilla in the room? Sure, go for it. Where's Tracy the gorilla in this movie? No, I'm not joking. I'm joking. <laughs> that was my one. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. We have a thing for this. Okay. Hey! Got it once. Dip your waitress. Uh, <laughs> forget who it was I was talking to before I went in the movie, and they were they were trying to troll me, like, oh, man, that cameo where Holtzman shows up sure was cool. And my text back was, what, no, Tracy the gorilla? Um, <laughs> no, so... First of all, Commander Scott. Yes. Congratulations. You called it. Oh. Months ago, while watching the first trailer and just nerdily guessing and and hoping at what might happen in this movie, Scott Cox called the ending of this movie. Almost beat for beat. You want to refresh our memories? It it it, it did. Uh, they 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 did show up very well with with uh, with it. It wasn't it wasn't quite exactly because uh, when we were talking about the end of the movie, uh, or when we were talking about the first trailer way back when, mm-hmm. uh, we had also discussed the fact that there is a gentleman that was you know on uh, credited for the movie for IMDb. He didn't have a character name at the at, at the time. But he is is pretty much a straight up uh, body double uh, in face and all facial structure to Harold Ramis circa 1992, 91, early 90s. Harold Ramis in the movie, I believe he's credited as the dirt farmer, which I thought was fun. Something. Yeah. Um, Let's see if IMDb has updated that. It's Sorry, continue. It, they've made a lot of changes since the movies came out. But uh, we were speculating on, you know, whether or not Egon was going to come back. Uh, and we were going to see Egon in the movie. And I said, oh, definitely, yes, we are going to see Egon in the movie. We cannot have a new Ghostbusters movie without some sort of revolu- uh, resolution with Egon. And... Um, my prediction at the time, and it didn't come completely to fruition, was because I thought it was going to happen in the temple, in the mine. I thought that that the kids were going to find out what was going on, and um, um, you know, the stuff was going to start happening. Gozer was going to come back. We were going to have the crescendo in the mine. And the guys were going to have to go into the mine and shut down whatever was going on because, you know, they're older, they're wiser, they're the, the OGs, you know, the kids are great, but ultimately it was going to be up to the, to, to the, to the, to the guys. Uh, and we were going to have right there with the gate open and, 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 and Gozer there, we were going to have enough spectral energy that we were going to have Egon. That's when Egon was going to fully manifest. Uh, as Egon's, as the ghost of Egon Spangler, and we were going to have him suiting up with the guys one last time. Because you can't go through this and not have all four of the original Ghostbusters in one shot together. Um, my my original my original quandary with that was I'm not sure how they'll handle his proton pack. Um, 
because mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if they were going to have a spectral pack like the the spectral ghostbusters in the cartoon that seemed a little wonky to me i just I, that one i didn't have an answer for but this movie you know when when we got to the crescendo it wasn't in the temple so it wasn't exactly the way i called it but they did a beautiful job with it so cuz yeah yeah phoebe steps up to the plate yeah that souped up pack all by herself fires on gozer gozer does the force lightning back at her and we get kind of a harry potter back and forth wand battle yeah literally she plants her feet and leans into it and it just pushes her back yeah and then you have that hand that that ghost hand which just comes out of nowhere and just stabilizes her oh shit yeah fuck yeah I'm not crying on the podcast. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fucking beautiful, man. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. It's as soon as I saw that glowy blue hand, I was like, oh fuck, uh, and just the waterworks started because oh. then it's it's like that's the start of well, it's like, your four moments with with that with, yeah. with Egon's ghost that just like it just keeps pouring it on. Well, and then and then when so like. Like the where the guys are shooting on Gozer is like a is like a ninety degree uh, uh, tangent from where Phoebe is when she fires on and we get we get uh, Egon, mm-hmm. so they're not together. And I'm like, oh shit, yeah, they got they got Egon. And then like the next scene when we see Egon fully, he kind of stands up with her and everything, and he starts walking her around to where the guys are. And I'm like, oh shit, they're going for the full on side by side shot because they got to get him yeah, around do. where the guys are and they fucking nail it all of them side by side just kind of at enough of an angle um with with like you called it scott I and mean, the only thing we didn't predict is it's it's him holding helping phoebe hold her proton stream but there it is yeah. there's the guys lined up just like all in uniform uh, and that was, uh, you know, that was the thing when we were talking about it. I'm like, you know, you got to have Egon suiting up with the guys one last time. It's got to be there. That shot is paramount. And there's a great, that's like, that is the big like emotional punch for me anyway, is that shot of there's, there they are. They're all together again. Um well, even yeah, yeah, exactly. You get that emotional, that like you said, that emotional punch of them all being together. But even in that shot, the gravitas of what that shot is, Jason Reitman still manages to interject humor into that shot. When one by one down the line, starting that's with what Wednesday, I was just about to talk about. Yep, <laughs> starting with Winston, they they all notice what's going on, and they're like, uh. Okay, so we're doing this. And, sure. and Bill and Bill Bill Murray has that perfect Bill Murray deadpan no sell where he's just like, I thought you might turn up. <laughs> oh. Because then it gives us like as I talked about earlier, we get the moment of they all get to say goodbye to Egon. Yeah. You know, Winston does, you know, I miss you, my friend, and 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 I'm not going to cry on my own podcast. Well, uh, Danny, or, or sorry, Ray, looking to him and getting to apologize for not believing him. Like they all get a moment, and, and not just them, but 
uh, you know, uh, uh, Trevor gets the moment where Egon kind of comes in, in, in adjusts his collar and gives him the Egon collar that I've been trying to get my collar to do for years. Yes. Uh, and, and Phoebe gets the big moment and then Callie gets the big moment with him. Like everyone gets a chance to get payout. The character of Egon is all over this movie. He starts, we literally start the movie on him. His ghost is in that house. His ghost is what's driving the main plot forward by revealing these things to Phoebe and, and helping lead her along. And and it's not just him as a non-corporeal presence. Like we actually get that thing we all want, which is a chance to say goodbye to a, a physical yeah. form. And not only that, but and it might be helped because it's not the real person. It's a ghost of the person. But it is some of the best uh, dead person brought back to life CGI I've ever seen. Oh, Which yeah. The sentence uh, that is weird to say because it's happened way <laughs> too often lately. Uh, yeah, watching that movie, I would have thought Harold Ramis was on set. It, it, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's well done. Uh, I saw uh, some quotes from Violet Ramis. That's his daughter's name, right? Yes. Um, I saw some quotes where she was talking about this. And one of the things that she she said was, of course, she was she was there throughout the whole kind of process because Jason Reitman and the production company, they reached out to Violet Ramis and they're like, look, this is what we want to do. Violet Ramis said that uh, Jason Reitman did a very good job of making her feel like she was part of the production when she actually wasn't. Um, (laughs) And that's her quote, not mine. Um, You know, with with storyboards and, and, you know, he was he was always in communication with her on this is what we're thinking. This is what we want to do. So she was involved every step of the way with her father's depiction in this movie. Um, But she said. Uh, that Jason Reitman really, really knocked it out of the park with the fact that on screen, uh, this is a depiction of the Egon Spangler character, not of Harold Ramis at her father. And we, you know, if you know anything about Harold Ramis, you know anything about his, his, you know, his latter years, uh, he had gained quite a bit of weight. Uh, he wasn't the spelt thin uh, person that he was in 84 and 89 as when he played Egon. Uh, and she said they could have easily gone with the, you know, rotund uh, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas kind of figure that Harold was later in life. But she said they didn't. He was on screen as Egon Spengler. He was thin. He was in shape. Uh, and she said uh, she believes her, her father would have loved that version uh and 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 once again just bringing you back to it every time we come back to it and we talk about different aspects of this movie uh the this movie really is a, a tribute to jason reitman completely he knew what to include and what not to include mm-hmm. you know when to punch it up when to dial it back yeah exactly he and this is my biggest takeaway, and this is the thing I tell people is for what easily could have been and arguably has already been just a cash grab on the intellectual property of Ghostbusters, just to cash in on the name and the logo and, hey, it's a thing you remember. Give us your money. That's This movie could have so easily been that and 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 already arguably kind of has. We've already kind of gotten that movie. 
But this movie, because of who it's made by and who it's made for, has such love for not just the original movie, but for the entire universe built by Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. For the entire Ghostbusters uh, franchise, universe, whatever. There's such love and care put into this. This is not a movie just made to make money. This was, we want to give the fans the closure the, the that we kind of never really got from Ghostbusters. We want to give them their heroes, those characters back, but we also want to move the story forward and build up what where we could go from here. But that's secondary. What's primary is showing our love for Ghostbusters and projecting that on screen in every scene and through every character. And this movie is just so earnest in its its love for the franchise and in the way it handles things. Not to the point where it like it doesn't fully rose color glasses everything. It 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 it's not afraid to make fun of itself. Um but that's what genuinely what I love about this film and what I take away from it and why I recommend it to all Ghostbuster fans uh, and, and even people who are casually associated with Ghostbusters. You know, I like the movies, you know, whatever. You don't you don't all have to have a, a proton pack in your closet to be a Ghostbusters fan. And I understand that. That's fine. Um, but this movie is is made with such love and care and devotion for Ghostbusters. You can't help but get caught up in that. Um, and that's what I love about it is is it's made by somebody who really does appreciate and understand why we all love this this franchise thirty some years later. Um, that's my big one final takeaway is is this movie is a personal story. It's a story about family and loss and grief and reconnection. Um, with jokes. With jokes. <laughs> it's not devoid of jokes. I yeah. laughed throughout the movie, too. At, at, um, at times, okay. literally jokes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> some of some of the finest, uh, as my wife would call them, dad jokes I have heard anywhere. Uh, hey. And I will be stealing all of them, because now they're quotes from Ghostbusters. Exactly. Hey, hey, why, why, why should you not believe anything that uh, Adams say? I don't know, Scott. Why? Because they make up everything. <laughs> hey Scott. Yes. Do you know what a call what you call a fish with no eye? No, what? A f- <laughs> <laughs> don't don't forget. I just the- love <laughs> sorry, I'm just gonna gush again. The part <laughs> where Phoebe just walks up to Gozer, who's just who's been fully reformed and is just like chilling under the throne and distracts her with dad jokes. I love that moment because of the absurdity of it and because push comes to shove, it's probably what I would do too. Oh. Uh, so so that being said, um I really hope this movie does very well to the point that we can actually get sequels. Uh because I want the I want the franchise to continue. I want to see more of this story. I want to see more of the kids. I want to see more of the guys. Uh, I, if nothing else, I want to see Winston and, and maybe Ray in some sort of. I, I know uh, um, um, Bill yeah. Murray is Bill Murray, um, but 
I want to see more films, and I know that if we see more films, they've set up uh, Evo Shandor as a potential villain with, you know, because we've got J.K. Simmons, and you can't bring J.K. Simmons in just to waste him on three seconds of, of film time like that. Well, there's there's also, uh, and I apparently this was shot after the movie originally wrapped, but the final end credit sequence Yes. Gives us a beautifully simple setup for where the next movies would go. Yes. Sorry, Winston bringing the Act of One back to the station, and we get that slow pan down to the containment unit still in the basement and the warning lights going off. Yeah. Like, that's simple. It's vague enough. You could kind of write whatever you want for why is the containment unit starting to fall apart it's it's vague enough it leaves you tons of options but it also sets things up for like i want to keep going i want yeah. more yeah the the next movie though if we get another movie i don't want anything evo shandor or gozerian related in the next movie i want something completely new completely different uh i wouldn't I would be okay with a with a Slimer cameo because we're back in New York, so that doesn't bother mm-hmm. me. But um, uh, I would like whatever is going on in the next movie to set up the return of Evo Shandor for the third movie. Okay, you know, like it. it eventually, it'll tie back into Evo Shandor. Yeah, and, and I get that. Once again, we've got J.K. Simmons, so you know we come back to that. But the next movie. You know, I want I, w- I want to see something other than Gozer. I want to see something, and and I really like Ghostbusters too with uh, um, <laughs> Vigo. You know, the Carpathian. The I was just gonna painting. say, Scott. You, you know what you do for Ghostbusters Afterlife too? Oh, death is but a door. <laughs> Time is but a window. He'll be back. I don't know. No, I'm not saying bring yeah. back Vigo. I'm not yeah, saying. I don't, back... I, don't want, I don't want to bring back Vigo. If you bring back Vigo, you had to do what the video game did, which is just the painting is just there locked up in the basement, <laughs> <laughs> screaming at whoever will listen to it. Um, no, I, I'm with you. I, I definitely, I want to see, and, and, and you'll have to concoct some sort of story to get all the kids back into New York. Um, because I do want, and I've, I've heard arguments for this, but like, yeah, I, I want the, Winston's got the cash to keep things flowing. You've got uh, Ray there to help with the, with the tech and the research and whatnot. I don't care if Bill Murray's in it or not. I don't. I really, really don't. Yeah. Um, if he's there, awesome. If not, fine. I don't care. Um, I just want more Ghostbusters. And I want this team. I want to see Lucky and Trevor and Podcast. So, I never yeah. want to learn Podcast's real name. I just want to put no, that out there. Exactly. Everyone learns. Just, just Podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... After seeing the movie, uh, Nicole and I were, were on our way back home, and she she proposed the question of what's going on with Gozer now that Gozer is trapped. Um, yeah. And well, so I said to so I said my original thing was well now that so first of all Cassie could probably stay at the house you know and the reason she would stay there is because she's kind of got this thing going on with with Gruberson you know. Uh, so she's uh-huh. kind of finding her life. The kids, of course, would stay with her until they go to college. So the farm is going to continue to be inhabited. Now that the guys are 
uh, in the loop and they know what's going on. Uh, financial <laughs> responsibility for the farm and keeping the power on and everything. Uh, Winston's company would would more than likely take over that. So we don't have to worry about finances uh, or anything. She, you know, Nicole, my wife, said, um, well, you know, what if they brought the traps, like the whole array, back to New York? to put in the containment unit. I'm like, well, that's, that's a very good possibility. I, I hadn't thought of that, but I could see that. So well, you'd have to, because I mean, this movie itself establishes a trap is not a permanent containment. Like even the terror dog ghost is starting to seep out of the trap. Yeah. So something as powerful as goes are even diminished through multiple traps. That's not a permanent solution. Exactly. Um, and regardless of which way you do that going forward, what I would do me personally is i would jump either to the next summer or a couple of summers after and so it's summer because this movie takes place during the summer because they're in mm-hmm. uh, phoebe's in summer school which they never actually acknowledge why phoebe's in summer school other than we need to bring uh, gruberson into it um and podcast uh, and podcast because phoebe doesn't seem like the person who would have summer school uh <laughs> But I had canon that just because I moved around so much is not so much that she's having trouble with school, but that if she moved around at the end of school, she might not have completed the school year. So uh, it might be an obligation thing just to complete that previous school year. I can see that. Um, but if it's but if it's a summer, then they could literally be visiting the firehouse in New York. I yeah. think you do it. The actors themselves have already aged up a lot in the two years almost three years since they shot the movie i think you just jump to phoebe's going to college because she's smart enough i don't care how old the character is you can jump some grades phoebe's going to college and she's going to columbia university that would be good i can see that now we can throw in hey remember this with like weaver hall at columbia university um i would be fine with that completely her and her and yeah her and podcaster going and they wanted to go into the paranormal studies department and uh, i know we said uh uh peter was in in academia doing marketing but maybe he's switched back to that and there's your cameo from bill i don't care um but yeah get him back in new york with the firehouse uh having and you call it here's what you do so the, your problem is the containment unit starting to wear down it breaks down we get what happens at the end of Ghostbusters 1, which is there's, there's a leak in the containment unit. Everything's gone loose. we got to get a new team to wrangle everything. You call it Ghostbusters Mass Hysteria. <laughs> Jason, I'm available. I work really <laughs> cheap. Uh, just let me live at Ghost Corps headquarters for a while. I'll write the script for you. Scott has to come with me. Yay. That's my um but yeah i i want to see more i don't i'm not sure and and to your point scott i was looking it up real quick so the movie had a uh worldwide opening weekend of 60 million dollars now there's a lot of asterisks and in in in, uh, qualifiers and whatnot for that number but keep in mind we're still coming out of a pandemic so there aren't huge multi-hundred million dollar openings anymore um there's only been a handful of movies that have broken the $100 million mark opening weekend since the pandemic hit. Also remember that this movie only had a production budget of, and this is on the uh, high end of estimates, somewhere between 70 and $75 million is the total production budget of this movie. As of right now, it's at $68.5 million worldwide, 
going into its second weekend, which is also Thanksgiving weekend. Coming off amazing word of mouth. Um, the critics have been weirdly off put by this movie, uh, but the fans are loving it and they're letting people know how much they love it. Um, so I think from a financial point of view, which is why I brought this all up, uh, the movie is doing very well right now. And hopefully we'll continue to do that. And hopefully we'll have a really good second weekend um, to keep that going. Because it's it's not far off from recouping its production budget already. Um, which is great for a movie these days. Well, all I know is I'm off work tomorrow. And I don't have anything going on before about 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I may go see it tomorrow. You should. Uh, just to bring it up again, uh, so currently on Rotten Tomatoes, 95% audience score for Ghostbusters Afterlife. As it should be. Yes. Critics, 62%. The fuck are y'all smoking? Uh, but again, great word of mouth. Uh, the people who are seeing this movie, for the most part, are really in love with this movie, and they're telling people about it. Um, the best review I have heard of this movie yet, uh, when we were at the theater on Sunday, uh, there was a guy who came in with his son. They went to go see it. Uh, we were still there when they came out. And as they were leaving, he kind of came up to us and goes, man, I did not expect, uh, my 50 year old self to be crying at a Ghostbusters movie, but here we are. <laughs> yep. I was like, I'm right here with you, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it's on track to do very well. I was, I was nervous. Because movies and theaters are not doing nearly what they were pre-pandemic, um, and, and the production, uh, the, sorry, the release date got shifted around a bunch, uh, which means the marketing has to stop and start up again. But I honestly feel like um, it's had a very good open, and I hope it continues to do that. Right now, we're in a, a movie market where it's not so much having one giant big opening weekend. Movies are really making their money week after week after week it's going to be how how strong are the legs of this movie how well does it carry over week to week to week and i think this is a strong contender for that because it's getting a lot of good word of mouth business people going to see it because someone they knew saw it and said it was great uh so they're going to see it because of that so i i think we're on the right path for that i know jason reitman has ideas um well so well, one of the things that he's gone on record as saying, and in an interview, is one of the you know a lot of people have asked about uh, Ecto One versus Ecto One A, mm -hmm. and uh, you know because we saw you know Ecto One A in in Ghostbusters Two, it, of course it's it's the same make and model vehicle as Ecto One. Uh, it has more stuff on top. It has some more decals and everything. And at the time in 1989 when Ghostbusters Two, it was always assumed. That it was the same car, just you know, new paint job, new equipment, whatever. Um, but then we get this car, you know, in this movie, which has the original paint job, the original equipment. It's it, it's Ecto One from 1984, and people have asked him about that. And, and, and in an interview, he has said, I, "I I I believe the quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but I believe the quote is, uh, I wish I could talk about that. There's a story there.' Yep. So." Yep, yep. Anyway. Well, we could talk about this all night, but yeah. we'll have to cut this episode off somewhere. So here's a good point. 
I think in general, we're both on the same page. We really, really like this movie. It's not perfect. There are some opportunities for improvement. Um, but by and large, this movie was fantastic. Given all the baggage it had to carry and all the the expectations heaped on it, um, I, I think it, it exceeded my expectations. Um, and I enjoy the movie more every time I watch it. I find something new to appreciate and to love about the movie. Um, I can't recommend it enough. Scott, last thoughts? Agree wholeheartedly. If if you are a fan of Ghostbusters 1984, Ghostbusters 2, um, uh, definitely watch this movie. Um, uh, Jason Reitman knocks it out of the park. He does a beautiful job with it. Uh, it, it's, it's not entirely fair to just say Jason Reitman knocks it out of the park. Literally, it's, it's a group effort. And the entire crew who worked on this, everybody did beautiful uh it's it's a love letter to ghostbusters the original uh even if you haven't seen ghostbusters first of all what the hell is wrong with you go watch ghostbusters Uh, why are you listening to this episode if you haven't seen ghostbusters then then go watch this movie so yeah uh see i'm just thinking of more stuff we haven't talked about that i just want to gush over and say yeah we got (laughs) physical terror dogs in this movie how awesome is that in 2021, we have animatronic freaking terror dogs. Sorry, I got to cut this off. I'm sorry. We're going to be here all night. This movie's fantastic. Go see it. We get the proton pack opened up, and we get to see inside. Oh, my God, yes. We get to see inside a proton pack. Okay, no, we'll do a a second episode later. (laughs) All the stuff we forgot to talk about. I'm like, that's Fletcher's Afterlife. Uh, uh, I didn't even mention the score. The score of this movie is amazing. I can't. No, sorry. We got. Sorry, sorry. This movie's great. Go see yeah. it. We can't stop talking about how much we loved it, and that yeah. should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, uh, the, the the score is wonderful. The score is Ghostbusters Two, Gozer Zero. But oh wait, I'm sorry. that's not what you meant. Or is it? <laughs> nope, that's where we're ending it. <laughs> Love it. This has been your weekly nerd alert for those keeping track. Commander Scott, how does it go again? Ghostbusters 2 goes to zero. <laughs>